Good morning. That's pretty weak. Good morning. All right. Good to be awake at the beginning of the sermon, right? All right. Hey, turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs. We're going to continue our summer series called Get Smart from the book of Proverbs as we take a look at uh, wise living. What does it look like to live wisely uh, before our God in uh, some practical ways and in very practical means in our life? We've looked at several topics. We've looked at uh, the fear of the Lord. We've looked at uh, alcohol. We have looked at uh, friendships and family. And uh, this morning, we are going to look at what I simply call men and women. So what is it that Proverbs has to say in part five of Get Smart to men and women specifically? Uh, A lot of what we're going to see is directed towards those who are married, although not uh, exclusively. And so what is it that Proverbs says about men and women. So that's where we're going to be. You can turn with me in Proverbs uh, to chapter 13 is where we're going to start. We'll kind of skip around as we take a look at six Proverbs this morning, but we'll start in chapter 13. Uh, There are pew Bibles in the pew rack in front of you if you don't have your own, and uh, the text should be up on the screen. So Proverbs 13, and uh, as you're getting there and getting ready, uh, let's just, uh, let's pray, and uh, then we will dive right into uh, this wonderful book of wisdom uh, called the book of Proverbs. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Uh, it's wonder- wonderful for us to come together as your redeemed people, of those who, as those who have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, Jesus, you indeed are uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and yet you are the Lion. You are from the tribe of Judah, and you are King, and you indeed are God. And one day you will return, as we have sung about, and you will uh, resurrect those who are yours, and you will uh, give us a life eternal, and you will rule on this earth, and we await the day when the kingdom of Christ is fully here. Help us to, 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 to yearn and to want that. Father, I pray now as we take a look into this most helpful and practical of books, I pray that you would help us to understand what it is that you're saying, specifically as we take a look at men and women, husbands and wives. What is it that this wonderful book of wisdom has for us? We ask that you would enlighten us. Holy Spirit, come, teach us. Help us to see our own faults, our own sins. Help us to see the areas where, by your grace, we're doing well, and we can uh, praise you for that. Uh, Speak to us in a very specific way, we pray. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would guard my lips that I would speak that which is accurate and true to the text and nothing more and and nothing less. And I pray for our hearers that they would have eyes that are willing to see and hearts uh, that are willing to be open to be changed uh, by your word. We ask it in the great name of our King, of our Lord, of our God, of our Savior Jesus Christ and God's people said. Amen. Amen. I want to begin with uh, one author, uh, author's, author's, I should say, assessment of some of the differences between uh, men and women. This author just has a few categories, and uh, I just want to uh, begin with that. Some of the just differences between men and women uh, in regarding names. Uh, this author says, if Mary, Susan, Claire, and Barbara go out for lunch, they will call each other Mary, Susan, Claire, and Barbara. But if John and Brad... Tony and Daniel go out for lunch, they will affectionately refer to each other as Bruno, Scrappy, Peanut Head, and Godzilla. <laughs> Indeed. I'm glad my son thought that was funny. <laughs> In regards to money, she says, a man will pay $10 for a $5 item that he needs. Uh, by contrast, a woman will pay $5 for a $10 item that she doesn't need simply because it's on sale. <laughs> Regarding restrooms, a man has five items in his bathroom, a toothbrush, a razor, shaving cream, a bar of soap, and a towel from the local Motel 6. Now, the average number of items in a women's 
Uh, a woman's restroom is 328. Apparently somebody counted. Now the average man could only identify five of them. <laughs> Probably not even that. Uh, as it relates to arguments, as it relates to arguments, women always have the last word in an argument. Um, anything a man adds after that is the beginning of a new argument. <laughs> Men keep that in mind, right? Uh, what about regarding the future? A, a woman's worry, a woman worries about the future, that is, until she f- gets a husband. But a man never worries about the future until he gets a wife. And finally, success. A successful man is one who makes more money that can be spent by his wife. Now, a successful woman is one who can find that man. <laughs> you know, uh, certainly there are differences. Men and women, we are, we are different. There's no doubt about it. And God created us that way. Uh, male and female, from the beginning, he made us. Uh, so it's not any surprise that as we look through the book of Proverbs, we find some gender-specific Revelation. That is, we find some gender-specific things that, men, uh, that God specifically says to, to males and that God specifically says to females and things that he specifically says to husbands and things that he specifically says to wives. And so uh, what we're going to see is simply a two-part sermon, right? Uh, we're going to take a look, number one, at what God says to wise guys. Uh, that is, how can we as men become wise? What does God have to say to make us wise guys? We'll see three things. And then we'll kind of take a break and do a bit of a panel discussion. And then we're going to see wise women. That is, what is it that God says to women specifically? Three things there. And so six Proverbs in totals, and we're going to begin with wise guys. That is, what does it take to be a wise guy? That is, in God's eyes. What, what makes us wise as husbands and as fathers? Well, three things uh, that I want to bring forth. And the first one is this. Jot this down if you're taking notes. Number one, wise guys— discipline their kids. Wise guys discipline their kids. And we find this in Proverbs 13, 24. Let's just read that together. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Now, last week we looked at parenting, and we kind of fleshed this verse out, hopefully for all it's worth. And so I really don't want to talk about discipline so much as what we see is the gender-specific commandment. No, take, a look at, take a look at the pronouns, guys. They're masculine, right? What's the very first word? It's not she who spares the rod, but what? He, he who spares the rod hates what? His son, but he, right? But he who loves him is careful to discipline him. And so what I want us to see quite simply is that men, to be a godly man, to be a wise guy, to be a man after God's own heart, and to obey God, what we have to do is we have to discipline our kids. And what we see is that this proverb hints at what we see something later, what we see later in the New Testament, which is essentially the idea that God has commanded the husbands, the men in the relationship, to take the lead, to, to be the leader, to take responsibility for the discipline of the kids. So Ephesians 6.4, it's not up on the screen, but I'll read it for you. Paul says this in Ephesians 6.4, notice again the gender-specific terms, fathers, He specifically addresses the men. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. I take it by means of excessive uh, discipline. Don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And so the first point I want us to see is that wise guys take responsibility to be the leader 
to discipline their kids. And so men, I want to ask you a question. Who is the primary disciplinarian in your home? Is that something that you see is your role? Or is it something that you have just kind of delegated to the wife? That's her responsibility. It's something that she alone does and you have no part in it. Well, what we see is both Proverbs and the New Testament says, certainly the wife has a role in disciplining the kids, but specifically when discipline is mentioned, it is addressed to the fathers. That's because it is their role. It is their responsibility. And so men, how does it work in your home? As we think about then how that works with your wife. Now certainly uh, the wife has a role in discipline. Oftentimes she's maybe there with the kids more than you. And so certainly she will do her fair share. But think about this as being the primary leader in, in discipline in the whole home. Think about this. How does your wife think or does she know that she can count on your support that is when she disciplines the kids and when she makes decisions during the day and you're not there does she know that when you come home that you'll back those decisions up or does she not uh, is she not able to count on that is she not able to know if mommy said this and don't do that that daddy will then go and change that does she know that you'll provide the discipline that she promised when she gets home? I mean, this is the typical, when your dad gets home, right? We've all, I think, been there. When daddy gets home, this is going to happen, right? Can she count on you to make good on that promise that she is giving that you will provide the discipline when you get there? Other things to think about uh, as far as discipline. Are you too on the same page as to how you're going to discipline your kids. That is, what methods are you going to use? And then what over? I mean, do you discipline over this, over that, over the other? Are you on the same page with that? These are things that I think as men, we need to think about as we try to take the lead and the responsibility for disciplining our kids. Um, a quick story as it relates to how this worked for us. When uh, Asher was born and he was getting to be of the age where we started to, to want to and needed to discipline him, uh, I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but sh- my wife was, was better at this than me. Uh, I, I tend to be passive in, in some ways, and that was one of the things that I just, I didn't do well. And so I was talking with her uh, last night, and I said, hey, can you share with me any specific examples of maybe how I struggled with this and maybe how I'm getting better? And she shared several. I said, that's enough, <laughs> okay? Uh, not several, but probably more than I wanted to hear. Uh, and, but, you know, the truth is, uh, sometimes I would wait too long. I would say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, instead of just uh, taking the responsibility to discipline then. She said, you would let him do it 50 times, and then finally you discipline. And I said, yeah, that's right. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't very good. Um, she said, you know, I kind of felt like early on that I did all of the spanking, that if there was any discipline uh, that needed to be done, whether spanking or otherwise, that that, that I would be the one to do it and that you were hesitant to kind of, to kind of take that uh, responsibility. And I said, yeah, I, I remember that. I, I can see that. And I said, well, I, th- I think I've gotten better, haven't I? And she said, yes, you've gotten a lot better. And I said, okay, great. I can say that without lying from the pulpit. You know, <laughs> I, I have gotten better. And, and I think that as I've read these texts and as we've talked about these issues, that I've realized that it's, it's my responsibility to do that. And so I would say, generally speaking, I think I do more of the discipline now, at least in, in some ways. But, and we talk through issues. We're hopefully on the same page of these are the standards, these are the rules, this is what uh, requires discipline, and this is what doesn't, so that we're on the same page. And so the first thing we see, and we're going to flesh this out in a little bit, hopefully, but the first thing wise guys do, men, is we take responsibility to discipline our kids. 
Secondly, not only do we take responsibility to to discipline our kids, but wise guys, according to Proverbs 27, wise guys are examples to their kids. So let's turn uh, backwards uh, ahead a little bit. That is to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. Proverbs 27, we see this, that wise guys are examples to their kids. My translation uh, puts it this way. The righteous man... The righteous man leads a blameless life. So this is the cause, right? This is a cause and effect relationship here. The righteous man leads a blameless life. Well, what's the result? What's the effect of a righteous man who leads a blameless life? Well, one of the things it says is, notice, blessed are his children after him. So there's a cause and effect. The cause is the righteous man who lives his life in integrity. Well, what's one of the effects? His kids are blessed. His kids are blessed after him. And I take that to mean they're blessed because they see his godly example. They see his righteous behavior. They see his blameless life. And they're blessed because they inevitably follow after his example. And so there's a cause and effect relationship. Children who have a godly daddy who loves Jesus, who pursues uh, honesty and, and integrity, generally speaking, their kids are blessed because they want to be just like their daddy and they want to be godly and righteous and lead a blameless life. One poet by the name of Crossed Pence which is an interesting name, Crossed Pence. Uh, he, he said it this way, and I think it's a wonderful little poem called To Any Daddy. And so um, <clears throat> he says this. There are little eyes upon you and they're watching night and day. There are little ears that quickly take in every word you say. There are little hands all eager to do everything you do and a little boy who's dreaming of the day he'll be like you. You're the little fellow's idol. You're the wisest of the wise. In his little mind about you, no suspicions ever rise. He believes in you devoutly, holds that all you say and do, he will say and do in your way when he's grown up like you. There's a wide-eyed little fellow who believes you're always right, and his ears are always open, and he watches day and night. You are setting an example every day in all you do for the little boy who's waiting to grow up to be like you. Dads, that's true. Isn't it true, dads? I find that that is true in my relationship with my son and with my daughter. We are, all of the time, setting them an example. And what this Proverbs teaches is that we can leave a blessing or we can leave a curse. We can leave a blessing if our example is good or we can leave uh, leave essentially a curse if our life is unrighteous and not blameless. And so, men, we're going to flesh this out in in a little bit, but I want you to think a little bit about the kind of legacy that you're leading, the, leaving, the kind of example that your kids are following. Will it be a blessing to them when they're older or will it be essentially a cursing? Are you leaving them all sorts of blessings? Are you maybe leaving them the blessing of a rich prayer life as they see you wake up early or as they catch you praying uh, on the road or at the job or whatever it is that you do when you pray? Are, they, are you leaving a, a blessing of prayer? Maybe leaving a blessing of valuing God's word as they see you digging into it, as they hear you listening to the audio Bible in your car. Whatever it may be, are you leaving a blessing of valuing God's holy word? Maybe a blessing of integrity. Maybe a blessing of forgiveness as they see you go to your wife and say, whenever you're wrong, 
I'm sorry, I did this and I did that and I said this and I shouldn't do that. And they see you publicly asking for forgiveness from your wife and you're leaving a blessing of repentance and humility and forgiveness. Are you leaving maybe a legacy of tenderness towards your wife so that your little boy grows up and he knows how to treat a woman. He knows how to open the door for her. He knows how to speak tenderly. He knows how to take her emotions into consideration. He knows how to be a tender warrior, so to speak. Are you leaving that kind of a blessing for your child? Or what about for your daughter? Are you being the man that you want her to one day marry? Because that's what she's going to want. And so the little girl dads that's playing on your knee. One day, when she goes looking for a husband or someone to date, guess what? She's going to want somebody like you. And so who do you want her to want? Somebody like you or somebody not? Second thing we see is that wise guys, not only do they discipline, but they are examples to their kids. And then third, wise guys Wise guys don't abandon the home. Turn with me again a little bit towards uh, the end of Proverbs. Proverbs 27 is where this last proverb is found. Proverbs 27, verse 8. 27, verse 8. Wise guys don't abandon the home. This is how my translation reads. (coughs) It's a comparison. So it's going to say, this is like that. Uh, Verse 28 of chapter 27. Like a bird, (coughs) like a bird that strays from its nest... So get the image in your mind. Like a bird that strays from its nest, so is a man who strays from his home. So there's a comparison here, right? The first image that we get in mind is a female bird. It's, uh, in the original, it's, it's referring to a female bird. So like a female bird who has responsibilities in the nest, right? And she wanders away from those responsibilities kind of in a flighty kind of way. She says, like, uh, the, the proverb says, like that is a husband, is a man who strays from the responsibilities of his nest, What do you think that's referring to? His home, most certainly, and the responsibilities thereof. You know, uh, one uh, really good author by the name of Dave Bohe, he writes for Family Life. He has excellent, excellent articles. I really encourage you to check him out. He has one article about the fatherless crisis in America. And I just want to read a quick quote because it relates to the idea of wise guys not abandoning their homes. He says this, there are two fronts to the fatherless crisis. Number one, the physically absent father. Okay, we know what that means. That is a father who is out of the home physically and or uninvolved in the life of the kids. But then he goes on to describe the second, which is, uh, quote, the emotionally absent father. And he says of the latter, he says this, it's a common complaint among wives. My husband is just so passive. He feels his job is to make the money And then he's entitled to do whatever he wants when he gets home. He rarely gets involved with the kids. All he wants to do is fish, hunt, and watch TV. And so as Dave Bohe describes, I think he's describing the kind of man who is not a wise guy. It's the kind of man who abandons his home. It's the kind of man who's not there. It's the kind of man who works late incessantly and misses much of the valuable things that his kids do, whether ball games or sporting events or uh, athletics or uh, academics or whatever it may be. It's the kind of guy who is physically there, but he is mentally, spiritually, emotionally, he is detached, he is absent. And so men, does this describe you? Are you abandoning the home? Are you like a flighty bird that leaves the responsibilities of its nest? Are you physically 
present, but emotionally absent. Because wise guys invest in the home. They see their primary investment not in the workplace, although that's a good place to invest, but in the home. And so we've seen three things about wise guys, right? Wise guys discipline their kids. Wise guys are examples, and they leave a blessing behind them. And wise guys don't abandon the homes. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a little break. And I've asked a couple sets uh, of people to come and to kind of uh, be a panel for us. And so men, uh, you three guys who I've asked, it's showtime. Come on up. And uh, I've asked three of our guys just to come and answer some of the questions uh, to help us flesh this out as men. What exactly does it look like to, to do these things? And I've asked those who are older and Lord willing, wiser than me, uh, to come up and to share with us. Uh, the guys, the, the mic should be right there, so feel free to turn it on and have a seat. Um, guys, thanks so much for being willing to do this. I know it can be uh, a, a bit intimidating to do that, and, uh, but I really appreciate you doing this. So let's start, with, uh, let's start with the first thing that we see, guys. First of all, we've seen that uh, wise guys discipline their kids, right? And we've seen that from Proverbs 13, 24. So what I'd like to ask you is kind of just initial questions and let you guys bat it around. Do you think that men struggle to take this responsibility seriously? And if we do, or, or some men do, uh, why do you think that is? <laughs> and the microphone goes where... Okay. <laughs> um, I, why do men struggle? One of the reasons is we're just lazy. Okay. Um, we can. Um, I think another reason is in our culture, we are fearful of uh, our children not loving us if we discipline them. Okay. Um, respect uh, kind of takes a back seat at times to wanting them to like us as a person. So I think we're really scared that if we discipline our children... They're not going to like us. Um, so I, I think those are two of the biggest reasons uh, that we don't, we don't discipline our kids like we should. So simply, it's hard to do, and maybe the wife will do it, and so we just, we just let them. We uh, kind of abdicate. Or, or maybe, yeah. and the second point, I mean, it hits home with me, which is the idea of oh, we feel it's unloving, it's, it's unkind, or, or something to that effect is, is kind of what you said. Well, and, and, on, and another thing is then, if or, you and we want them to, be, to like us. Yeah. Right. right. And if you discipline your children, then you kind of have to clean up your own act. Ah, right. You know, if you say, you shouldn't do that, that was wrong, <laughs> and they look at you and say, what about this? Well, never mind. <laughs> right, right, right. So there is some sense of the, where the example comes into play. So any other thoughts on that, guys? Do, you, do we feel like it's, it's a struggle for men? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, to go along with what Dan is saying, that if you're working all time, all, you know, all day, and you're not with the kids, you come home, you've got two or three precious hours with the boys, mm -hmm. with my boys, before they go to sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want the first thing to do when I come in is have to back up Abby and Line them up and spank them. <laughs> right. right. Welcome home. Get in Welcome line. Welcome home. Yeah, get in line. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's just spank you right now, and we'll get it over with. So I think that's, that's part of the struggle, at right. least at, at our house. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I could definitely see that dynamic, because I've been working all day, and I want to enjoy the hours that I have with them, and so maybe shying away from, from that responsibility. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Jay? I was just going to say I agree with Dan also, that I didn't want to be the bad guy. I mean, I think that's why it was a little harder at times i mean i think i got over it at times but you, you just don't want to be the bad guy when you get home and you want to you want to be their friend 
So, you know, and I'll, I'll add to that as I think through my experience, that's something that my wife and I, we've talked about, which is the, uh, she's some, something she shared with me, which is when you do that, then, okay, I understand you don't want to be the bad guy. You've got precious time and you don't want to spank him or, or discipline or, you know, go to your room or whatever. Um, but, you know, she said, but when you do that, the, the result then is that I am always the bad guy. And so there's this divide. Mommy's the bad guy. Daddy's the good guy, right? Daddy never disciplines. Mommy always does. And so, and, and, I, and, I, and we saw that dynamic happening, I think, in our household. And so we had to work to correct that. So, yeah, excellent. Actually, I, I was just reflecting when you asked us to do this on something that somebody, I read once that, um, and I can only speak for boys because God has blessed me by not giving me a girl. I wouldn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll that, that boys have their ears on their backsides. That they don't listen until they get a backside treatment. Right. And, and I think with our boys, you know, we give them the room to expand and to, and to flourish. But within that room, they know where the edges are. And that's where the discipline comes in for us is making sure they're quite clear on where those limitations are. Right, absolutely, very, very clearly expressed. So I guess follow up on, on this, and we'll move to point number two. How would you then encourage a father who maybe is here, and uh, they, they say to themselves, I, I really am missing, missing the boat here. You know, maybe I need to be more involved in, in the process of disciplining my kids. How, how would you encourage them? What would you, what would you say to them? In language that's appropriate for church. <laughs> you know, it's... Okay. This is not okay. public private here. You know, it's, it's really tough. I mean, you just have to encourage them to try to be a biblical father and to step up and, and be the man. And, and, you know, outside of that, I was trying to think, how do you encourage? Well, you know, we have our men's group uh, on Monday mornings, uh, many weeks out of the year. And you go over and over these things. And you just keep reading them and teaching them. And, and you just have to say it. Um, I was, uh, well, we're just doing David in Sunday school. And um, David did something really, really bad with Bathsheba. And Nathan went up and he said, you are the man. I mean, he just had a spine. He, he stepped up and he did it. And that's what God calls us to be. He just says, step up and do it. Right. So there's a sense that we recognize the responsibility and we just take steps you know, towards doing that. And, and scripture says that he who spares the rod hates his son and that's a strong word but you Mm. obviously want the best Mm. for your kids and you know that when they need to be disciplined they need to learn from that so Mm. you got it you kind of got to get over how it hurts and just do what needs to be done all right thanks let's move then to the second thing we've seen uh wise guys discipline but they also are examples to their kids now one of the questions i asked you guys to think about is how maybe in your experience have you seen some of the um, good things that your kids maybe have picked up on. In, in, in other words, maybe some areas that you've been a good example and you've seen them kind of grow and, and take after you. And then maybe conversely, some areas that you're like, yeah, they've picked up on this too. And <laughs> it's not so much what I want them to pick up on. Maybe, maybe share a, a little bit as you're willing um, on each of those. Um, for me, it's blatantly clear that the boys that we have are, are caught, not taught. In other words, they learn from seeing Abby and I and mostly me, I think, a lot of the times, and how I act. And Dan said it earlier, when, when Will was born, we had to, I had to clean up my act, mm-hmm. starting straight away, because he gets everything that I do. He doesn't get what I say and tell him for the first hundred times, but when I do something, he gets that right away. Um, because I, even sitting there, and I was asking him about the verses and everything, and he gets it, he gets it from watching us, 
study, watching us work out, watching us, you know, prepare dinner, clean up the house, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the Rodney Atkins song, like the guy said earlier. It's, I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? Mm-hmm. I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you. So, yeah. and, I, and I know it because if I'm doing something, all of a sudden Chase comes running out and he's got no shirt on. I thought, what's going on? Well, I look down, I don't have a shirt on. He just wants to be like me. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, how we do it, I don't know. Practice, practice, practice. Do little things every day. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Any other thoughts there? It was kind of neat as um, we were coming to church this morning. Casey uh, is a waitress at Ruby Tuesdays, and she said it was kind of a rough night. They had a lot of tables at once. And she said, and when you get a special order, you have to go to the register, and you can't just punch the button. you got to change it. And she said, it seemed like every time I went up there last night, I said, she says, God, just please help me hit the right buttons. And... Um, I was not always a very prayerful man, and um, it's different now. And we pray a lot for anything, uh, anything and everything. And um, it was neat for Casey to share that story that she didn't go up to the cash register and panic. She didn't do this or that. She just said, God, please help me hit the right buttons. And it just happened. But I have to admit, I was, I was not always a very prayerful man, and I've got a long ways to go. I do better now than I did. One follow-up question there on that. Uh, you know, the text says the righteous man leads a blameless life. And I think when you, when, you, when you study that, it doesn't mean a perfect life, right? I mean, I think as fathers, we read that and we're like, how can I be blameless? You know, how can I be perfect? How can I never mess up? And I don't think that's the, the intent. It's the idea that it's a life of integrity. It's, it's honesty. It's confessing your sins when you do wrong. It's pursuing righteousness with, with, with all that you have. And so I guess a follow-up question there is, what role of, of leaving that blessing, of living a, a, a pursuing righteousness and blamelessness, what role does like confession have with maybe as you mess up with your kids or with your wife or with somebody at church? You know, what, when they see you confessing, repenting, asking for forgiveness. Is that a part of this as well, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think obviously none of us are perfect, and we do mess up, and generally we mess up in front of our kids, and if we mess up in front of them, we better make it right in front of them. So, yeah, I think that's a very big thing. I think what you said is wise, so that if it's something that public and they see it, then it it behooves us to, you know, to, to correct that ourselves. So, yeah. Any other thoughts along those lines? Okay, final, final question then, guys. You're almost off the hot seat here. Uh, wise guys don't abandon their homes. And so we talked a little bit about the emotionally absent father, right? Um, in your opinion, just what do you think that might look like? Either what does that maybe look like in your life or what have you seen in maybe the life of, of other men's? What does it look like to be like a, a little bird that wanders from the nest? <laughs> yeah, a hard one, I know. Somebody... <laughs> I read a little piece by Chuck Swindoll yesterday. Uh, He was at a time in his life when his children were young. He was very busy with his work and and, uh, so many things going on. And his children knew that and they were aware of it. So they knew that if they're going to share something with dad, it had to be quick. So one night after dinner, his daughter said something about, Daddy, I want to tell you about this story about that happened today. And, And he said, you know, Cindy, just slow down, slow down. You can speak slowly. And she looked right back at him and said, well, then can you please listen slowly? You know, and, and Chuck Swindoll just got so caught up that his children sensed that he didn't have five minutes to just stop, you know, and it's, how do we not be emotionally absent fathers? We just have to stop everything else at certain times and just give them our, our children 
uh, our full attention and just not be looking at something off to the side, not answering from behind the computer screen. Just close the laptop, roll the chair back, whatever, and just just stop. Yeah, that's great, Dan. That's really helpful. Um, I also was written. Look, they're fighting over the mic now. Look at that. Hey, that's progress. That's good. We should have called each other. Um, I was thinking about this as well, and, and we've had different experiences living in different societies and different cultures, um, Abby and I, and we've seen examples of absent fathers, both physically and both emotionally. And my only thought is, if you look at those particular societies where the fathers are absent, you can make your own correlation as to the differences between a father that's present both emotionally, spiritually, and physically, and a father that's absent. You know, what's the difference in crime rate? What's the difference in unemployment? What's the difference in um, family life? And uh, it's, it's, it's a blatantly obvious correlation between the two. And, um, and, and that's, that's what I took from the different areas that we lived at, that the, the father being present is so much more important in the future than it is in the present. In other words, if I'm not here, yes, it's, it's hard for the boys right now, right. but it's tenfold worse down the line okay. than what they're learning. Yeah, thanks. Okay, Jay, Jay wrap us up here. Final yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's all about priorities, and I think – we all know what's most important in our lives, and I think we want to do what's best for our kids. And I, I think I learned from my dad. I mean, my dad was very present in my life, and that's just the way I wanted it with my kids. And it's it's just that's the way I always wanted it. So Great. All right. Well, you're officially off the clock. Thanks, guys. Would you guys give them a round of applause for their willing willingness to come and, and share? Thanks, gentlemen, so much. Yeah, just leave it there.